we'll give the logistics a little bit later. But there are nine groups, right? Eight or nine groups. And then we have four of the leaders here. So we're going to give them a couple minutes just to, to, to talk about the kernel of truth that they would share. So they're not going to talk about logistics. They're going to share the truth of, of what they are wanting to put on the table. And then we'll pray in between. Does that sound good? So when you guys come up, we'll close it. We'll pray and transition and, and the next ones come up. And then uh, I'll go over um, the list, all the groups at the end of that. Is there anything else you want to say? Okay. So we're just going to pray right now as a body. Father, we thank you that you are here with us. Thank you for the fullness of your presence. We pray your blessing over the efforts of coming today, coming to seek you, coming to find you, coming to hear from you, and pray your blessing over our friends here who are going to share with us your word and your truth and how you've moved in their life. Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and responsive hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. So first we have Kenny Longo. Good morning. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. I love this verse because to me it describes the Christian life, that God is changing us, um, that following Jesus is not a static thing. We just don't come to Christ and then wait to go to heaven, that when Jesus gets a hold of us, once he gets a hold of us, he's changing us. He's transforming us into the same image, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that about the Christian life. I love that Jesus is changing me. And when I, I've been walking with Jesus for 35 years. I came to Christ when I was 28. And I am not the same man I was at 28. I mean, the Lord has done amazing things. He's brought healing, wholeness. Um, you know, that's our testimonies that we need to share with one another. So I, I love that about following Jesus, that it's dynamic and that he's always at work cultivating his character in me so that more and more um, I embody the love, the peace, um, the joy of Jesus in this world. But this verse also shows us, well, how does God do that? How is he making us more like Jesus? And it says, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. As we behold the glory of the Lord, we're transformed into his likeness. Well, how do we behold the glory of the Lord? And we do it as in a mirror because obviously we can't directly see God face to face in this life. But we can behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. And there's and the ways we do that, and there's many of them. But I feel like when we worship God, we, we behold the glory of God in the midst of our worship. And God is transforming us in those moments. When we sit under God's word and we we study his word and we let the Holy Spirit speak to us as we read his word. God is transforming us through the study uh, of his word. And then finally, I feel like in fellowship with one another, um, God transforms us because each one of us is glorious. Each one of us has Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you look upon another believer, you are looking upon the glory of the Lord in that believer. And I think that's why God encourages us to be together, to gather like this, 
and to gather like um, in these Sunday morning and Wednesday night things we're having? Why do we organize these gatherings? Because as we gather together, study his word, um, and fellowship one an- with one another, we are transformed into his likeness. These fellowships are opportunities to behold the glory of God uh, in one another and in, in the things that we're studying. So our encouragement this fall is to, to find a group to join as God um, actively makes us more like his son. So, Lord, thank you for Kenny. I pray that you would bless him as he prepares for this discussion, Lord, and that he would have others join him as they um, desire to seek looking into your glory and to do it not alone, um, but to do it. We are grateful for the many years of example Kenny has been and a lifelong learner, someone that is constantly pursuing the upward call of Christ and desiring to grow in maturity. And I pray that this gathering would be another opportunity for people to learn alongside of Kenny. Amen. And then Kathy's up next, right? Or Phil. Okay, Kathy's coming up. And then what we can do uh, during the prayer, Phil and Kelly, you guys can just come up while I'm praying and they'll, they'll move it along. Good morning. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The God of the universe also wants to be our wonderful counselor. And so I can turn to him when I've got times of need or something that I'm wrestling with. And yes, there's other people I can also turn to, but why not turn to the God of the universe who created me? He knows me more than anybody else. And so several years ago, what I've started doing is as I was wrestling with something or pondering something, I would do a word study on it. So I've done studies on anger, um, God is my father, worry, trust, love. But one of my favorites was a study on soul. And I love that when we read this morning from Psalm 18, had soul in it. It's over 270 times it appears in my version. So God wants to tell me something about my soul, but I've had a hard time wrapping my brain around it. So as I studied soul in scripture, I learned a couple things. One, that it's important that I take care of my soul. It's part of who I am. It's body, soul, and mind. And I can take care of my body and my mind, but I was neglecting, just neglecting my soul. And then it would start to cry out. And sometimes I knew why it was crying out, that I was working too hard or or, or whatever it may be, or not being creative, taking that time to create. But there are other times, and I don't know if you've ever struggled with this, where you're just in this funk, or you're angry, or you're grumpy, and you just don't know why. Well, it says in Psalm um, 42 and 43, it says, Why am I in despair, O my soul? And 
we can ask God. I realize I can ask God. He's given me the Holy Spirit to be my helper, my teacher. I can ask God, why am I in despair? Why am I in this funk? What is going on inside of me? And so I realize that I can come to God and find out what's going on in my soul and then and then take that time to be taking care of my soul because nobody else can take care of it except me. I mean, God will take care of it too, but I can't be expecting other people to take care of my soul. So another study that I did was on submission. Um, that's not a, a word or something that comes easily for my personality. You can ask my husband. And so I did a, a study on that, and it was a game changer for me because one of the things I learned was that it's got this military root to it. So you've got a general, and he's got this mission, and under this mission you've got this army, and the army has to decide, are they going to trust this general and then accomplish the mission that he has for them. And so just like God, God is our general. Who could be a better general that we'd want to follow as we trust in him and hope in him? And he's got a mission for our lives, and that mission is to reconcile the world to him, but it's also to restore each one of us into that beautiful, loving, intimate fellowship and relationship that he intended for for us from the beginning. So why wouldn't I want to be involved with that mission? And so as I studied submission, I realized that, you know, God was starting to slowly change me from this, oh, submission is something I should do or I have to do because that's what good Christians do, into something more like, I want to do this. I want to be part of this team because God wins. He has one and he's going to win, so why not be part of this team where I can be part of helping him accomplish his mission of restoring us to that beautiful, intimate relationship with God. And so my whole view of mission changed. And then this morning, there's one more thing, because God just kind of showed me something quickly this morning, and I hope I can tie this all together. Um, so one of the words for submission is First Peter 3, 5, and it's talking about the holy woman from the past and it says, who hoped in God and used to adorn themselves, being submissive. And so these women from that he's talking about here are talking about this internal clothing. And you take that back to Proverbs 31. When I was in college, the first time I really read this, I kind of read about the Proverbs 31 woman, and I shut my Bible, and I threw it across the, the room, and I thought, I will never be able to be that kind of woman, because all that she does, and it was really discouraging, and I've realized now it's not about what she's doing, it's about how she's adorned herself and her inner self, and it says in verse 25, it says, strength and dignity are her clothing, that's that inner adorning, and she smiles at the future, and so I asked myself, how can she smile at the future? She doesn't know what the future is going to bring. We don't know about what the future will bring at all. And that takes us back to Psalm 42, where it says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. So do you see both in that soul care and in submission, there's that 
hope in God. Our focus can't be on the circumstances around us, but on a God within us. And our hope is on him and the mission that he has for us that we get to be involved with. So those are just some of the things that the Lord's been doing and changing in my life through these word studies. And I think now I want to do a, a word study on hope <laughs> after this. But I hope you'll join uh, Mark and me. on words. We're doing this on Wednesday nights for four weeks, and we'll be diving into various word studies um, with you. Thank so thanks you, for letting me share. All right. So, again, we want you to like the Cubs for a while, and after you retired for two, three, four months, we want you to move back to Lynchburg so we can still learn from you. So I'm just saying it publicly, and you guys can figure out how to – encourage her along that way. Lord, thank you for Kathy and for her her search for truth and the way that she um, she really seeks to live her life according to the biblical standards and is willing to do the hard work of the study to find out exactly what the words mean. So I pray for those who join them that they would grow in the richness of truth through the study of your word. Amen. And now it's Phil's turn. Thank you very much for this opportunity. My name is Phil Germeroth. I've been a carpenter for over 40 years. Um, and right now, I feel much more comfortable on the top of a 50-foot roof than I feel right now. <laughs> but um, a couple months ago, Kirsten approached me with the idea of leading a discipleship group with the idea of Jesus as a carpenter and kind of see what kind of insight I might be able to bring to that or see what kind of influence that had on Jesus as he... That's, that was his first vocation. And I started thinking about it, praying about it, and I feel more confident in anything I've felt in my life about leading something. And um, we'll see what happens with it. But in order to start it, I had to zoom out or pan out on, on God's big picture. And I'm thinking about, here's God. He's the creator of heaven and earth, all things, and sustainer of that. He creates a being, us, and he loves that being. He has fellowship and a real relationship with that being. Then that, then that being, and and, uh, and we, and our and our unbelief and our disobedience, we uh, mess that relationship up, and it had to be restored. And that being has tried for thousands of years to restore that relationship, and can't do it. That's called religion. But God wants a relationship. And he knew that we couldn't do it. He knew that we needed to be redeemed. And he knew that he really wanted that relationship with us. Why not wipe it out and recreate it all over again? He could do that. But he didn't. He wanted to restore it. And the way he did it was by sending his son, coming as, his, as a created being himself and taking on the form of us. And so that brings up another question or brings me to the thinking of I had to start zooming in on the person of Jesus, especially focusing on him as becoming a carpenter or a builder. And um, I think too often, and what it did for me, I had to start wrestling with the humanity of Jesus, the deity of Jesus. And too often we shy away from talking about the humanity of Jesus because we're afraid we're going to be accused of denying his deity. That's a discussion we do not have time to get for, a theological discussion to go into right now, but it is a biblical truth. Second, second Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 5 through 8, clearly explains that. And it's something for you to wrestle with. 
But Jesus in his humanity, he came to identify with us. We needed to see him identify with us. And the problem that happens if we don't, to me, what's the big deal of his temptation in the wilderness? Yeah, he was like us, but not really. And also, Hebrews uh, 4.15 tells us, if Jesus didn't really come and identify us with us as a as in our humanity, then we really don't have a high priest that can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. <clears throat> Nor do we have the high priest who was tempted in every way yet without sin. So I believe that he came and identified with us in his humanity. I can't put it all together in my head, but he came to identify with us. He came to die for us, but more than that, he came to give us life and show us how to live it. He modeled life for us. So the question becomes, why become a carpenter? And it's not an easy life, trust me, I can tell you. And it was not, it was much harder for him because today we got pneumatic nail guns and power tools and all that, and we got lumber dressed and ready to use. He had none of that. But why become a carpenter? And as I looked, I came across somebody that wrote, said, well, what do carpenters do? He asked another question. And I had to think of that. Well, we're known as wood butchers and nail benders, but that's not what we do. Basically, it comes down to two things. A carpenter rebuilds things that are broken or he builds things that are new. And I got to thinking, I said, that pretty much sums up a 40-year career. I've either repaired, restored, broken things, or built new. And how fitting that is for Jesus to do that. You know, he was estimated to be 30 years old when he began his public ministry. When he was 12 years old, he probably, the custom was that the son would be an apprentice of the father's vocation. And so that gives Jesus roughly 18 years experience of most of his life in his first vocation as a carpenter slash builder. There's questions there of what that actually is. We'll talk about that next week. <clears throat> but, um, it's so fitting for him to form his, his experience as a human, looking at life as, as broken, fixing broken things and building new things. Because when he decided, when he put down his tool belt and began his journey towards the cross, he, um, that's what he began to do. And, and you read through the Gospels of him healing the lame, healing the sick, repairing broken. We sang a song about it this morning. Grace the gardens, you put me back together. And I think we can all identify with that. And he builds new things. He came to build a new kingdom. And he came to build many mansions. And we're going to look into that in weeks to come. That's what excites me, the mansion part. So we were supposed to talk about how this has transformed us in our study so far. And when I got to thinking about it, <clears throat> it's rather anticlimactic in a way because it goes back to a simple song, the first song I learned, Jesus loves me. And as I looked at it, as, as God the creator chooses to become one of his created beings so that we can identify with him and he can identify with us, and he gives his life for us. And um, I think it's summed up really, really well. Paul sums it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, he, speaking of God, made him his son, who knew no sin, sin, why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. And there is no greater expression 
of love than that. And as I look at that, I'm overwhelmed by that. And as I look at him I, coming down to identify with us so that we can get our identity in him, that just kind of blows me away. And that's what we'll be looking at in the weeks to come. And, you know, so often when we're asked who we are, what do we do? We <laughs> tell who we are and we give out letters in front of our names or we have letters behind our names, what we've done to identify ourselves. But that's, that's, that's important. But more importantly, it's whose we are. And as uh, Jesus followers, we are children of him. And, um, and our identity is found in him. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. Thanks, Phil. And may God bless you. All right. Let me pray for Phil. And Kelly, you want to come up? Lord, we thank you for Phil. Thank you. I know he's worked in our house. And the skill and speed with which he works, um, just his hands are real obedient to his mind. And there's so much that he knows about your life um, from firsthand knowledge. And this is a great opportunity to dig into it from a carpenter's perspective. So I pray that you would bless him as he prepares for the study and bless those who choose to join him. And Lord, as Kelly comes up, I pray that you give her joy in communicating the truth that she's come to know about the way you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I'm Kelly Davenport, and I will be leading a book club for ladies this fall called Breaking Free from Body Shame. But first, I just want to present you all with three questions to challenge you, even if you're not a lady and you're not going to join this group. Have you fully surrendered your body and accepted it as part of your faith journey? Every one of us is united in the fact that we have a body that we've been given. One of the songs that we sang um, talked about the veil being torn. This, in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it says, and if you know it, say it along. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. About five years ago, I started really wrestling with this. I was processing some decisions that a loved one was making, and my perception was that it was a daily disobedience on her part. Well, God spoke to me and really convicted me that I had not been daily obedient and stewarding my body well. And so that began this journey of realizing that our bodies and the way we take care of them and the way that we use them is not set apart from our faith journey. It is part of it and the way that the gospel goes out into this world. So that would be my first question to you. Have you realized that your body is a part of your faith journey? Question two. Do you believe that your body is good? This one's hard. There are um, some questions that we have when we are asked this. Do we really believe that our body is good? In Romans 8.18 it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This year, some of you know our story that our seven-year-old Cooper um, 
had some health diagnosis that was really disappointing and um, it really challenged me. Do I really believe that God's created our bodies exactly as they are to use that these stories, that his story will bring the gospel? And I had to wrestle with that, not just with my own body, but with the body of my son. That's a hard place to be. But we'll be, um, one of the subtitles is, Dare to Reclaim What God Has Named Good. If God said it was good, we won't disagree. We can't disagree. The third is, do you believe that God can use your body right now just as you are? Not when you look a certain way. Not when you weigh a certain weight, not when you're not sick with whatever is going on, right now, today. Romans 12:1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. A living sacrifice. Think of those two words. The living dying. Each day, our bodies, we get to present as the living sacrifice. That means each day, there are kingdom purposes for your body to step into. I've really debated on whether I wanted to share this story or not. I haven't shared it because it feels very personal, and only a few people know it. But this summer... We were really wrestling with some disappointment for a cancellation of a, a, an appointment that Cooper needed to go to. The appointment at the facility got canceled, and we thought, Lord, what are you doing? We knew there was a reason that we weren't supposed to go to that appointment that day. Brian went on to work. I had the kids, and I thought, well, let's make the most of it. We'll go, go to the library, go see a movie. Well, we were coming down the road. We came to a bridge on Leesville Road. And there was a young lady sitting with one leg hanging over the side of the bridge. So I pulled over the car, and I talked to her. Her name was Melissa. Haven't seen her again. Maybe I won't ever know. But God put me on that bridge that day, and with my body, I stepped out onto the bridge with her. My life is different because of it. Her life is different because of it. That's just one example of having our eyes and hearts and bodies open to being used daily. It doesn't have to be big. It is in the everyday. But we have to believe first, these bodies are good, just as we are. So I want you all to say it with me, just as I am. You ready? Mm -hmm. Just as I am today. So I hope that this challenged you and encouraged you also. Ladies, I would love to uh, be in book club with you. It is uh, Breaking Free from Body Shame. All you have to do is grab the book ahead of time, and we're going to really dig deep into this. And uh, since I have the mic, I'm going to go ahead and announce ladies' fitness and men's fitness are still going on. Um, this gives you a glimpse into the heart behind that. We don't just get together to work out. We get together to be together, to advance the gospel, to have healthy bodies that can do that, too. But I hope that in finding community with one of these groups, 
you're encouraged to really believe that your part in this body, your body matters, and it is good. Thank you. Thank you, all four of you. That was great. Let's, uh, let's give them a little applause. That's tough to do to fit that in um, to the time frame we asked. So that's a new form that we've never tried before. Um, you can come up, Lucas. Uh, so I appreciate you all participating in it. And then um, it would be a nice time to pray for Matt and Adri Day, but I don't know. Are they in the room? Matt and Adri, are you guys here? Okay. I didn't really talk about this before, but we can talk about it now. Um, can we pray for you guys? And can you come up? Um, Matt and Adria have stepped in as the new youth leaders, and we are thrilled to have them. They've got a long history with us and great gifting. And so um, if the elders could come up and some others could come up and pray for them as Lucas um, leads the song. And then uh, the, the around the table idea, just to go over it. It's 9 o'clock, so you have to come a little bit earlier. And there's a lot of them. So the God the Artist one was Jen Mancier, the thing you saw if you want to do a hands-on project. And then um, Carol Stone is over here. She's going to start um, a God the Creator idea. As many of you know, Carol is a really gifted gardener, and that's just not the only talent she has. But she'll get you thinking about God as a creator. And then you had the Carpenter series that Phil Germeroff was talking about. Uh, Jimmy Kirschberger is doing a Love Your Neighbor. I, that's what we're about here as well. Um, one of the reasons Grace is set up the way it is, uh, I didn't grow up as a Christian, so I didn't know that some of you went to like Sunday night church and there were a lot of church meetings. One of the philosophies that, of the church, and Mark and I went and Kathy went to the same church in Baltimore and one of the philosophies that worked when I became a believer at age 20, I still had tons of friends that weren't believers. I joined this church because it didn't try to take up all my nights and pull me away from my friends that I played touch rugby with or whatever. So grace has minimal requirements throughout the week so that you can do what we did yesterday and sit on our neighbor's back porch and just talk about life. So the idea is that when we are together, we're going to make the most of it. So that's going to be Sunday mornings and Wednesday mornings. And then hopefully you're going to be free, apart from your life group time, to be involved in circles of people that don't know the Lord. That's the, why the church is set up the way it is. It's not church light or we just didn't feel like doing all that extra stuff. It's strategic so that this isn't the only circle you're in. But when you're here, we want to bring our best to the table. So what you saw, I didn't count, but I think where most of the songs written by the worship team, almost all of them, almost all of them that you sang were written by people standing up here. And um, Chelsea, it's great to have you up there. Your voice has such confidence and peace. And I might have missed it because I was traveling, but I'm really thrilled you're back up there getting to sing your song. This is who we are. Let's bring it to the table. And let's share it and make the most of the times we gather. So um, we've got these series coming up. Jimmy's in Do Love Thy Neighbor. Going to touch on what I did. Jim and Shelly Sprint and Jim's back there. Um, they're going to be praying, praying for what's going on in the world. There's a lot going on, and they're going to lead you through that. Then you heard Kelly, um, and she's going to do what she said. And then Dee Britt, Dee's here. Dee's over there. Um, Dee's going to be drawing on the history of spiritual formation. People have been trying to grow into Christ-likeness for many, many centuries now. And it's a good idea to tap into what has been 
taught before, and Dee's going to bring that to the table for you, the concept of um, spiritual formation. And then um, Johnny and Holly, we're still figuring out how we're going to do the word-centered connection. They're going to be doing some stuff, at least one or two. Um, but they've really been able to bring in what they've learned in Cyprus and share it with us. So we're trying to come up with a couple ways to make that happen. So those are the nine groups that we've got. And then um, just the offering thing. Remember how I made that great speech about Les Mis moment and all that? Turns out there is no box in the back. They're bolted to the wall. And my wife said, that was funny what you said, but there's no box ever back here. So they're bolted to the wall. There's boxes up here. Um, we encourage you to be involved in the offering. And then the, um, the other things, just to keep in mind, Wednesday nights we're cranking up a little bit. We, uh, we're, Kirsten and I are going to do a little bit with the, the jam age for the next couple of weeks, doing the kingdom study that I do. And then we're going to pass it over to Neil and Elaine to do the jam, which was key. Emma was in jam. She loved it, still has her little jammy dollars. Um, jam was a big part of Emma learning the scripture. And then when she, now you're getting to hear her write songs about the scripture. But she was in jams class, um, and that's where she learned a lot of it. And then uh, the other thing we're going to do, there's a lot of new offerings. One of the new offerings we're going to try next week is at 10.30, some of the worship team is going to go outside and do some worship songs. If you know people that would prefer to worship outside, you can mention that to them. The idea is to use every opportunity, including COVID, to advance the kingdom of God. And there are multiple new ways that we can be using this opportunity to invite people to worship and follow Jesus. And one of the things we're going to do is an outside service. 